Go to filmcomment.com to read Queer and Now and Then, a bi-weekly column written by me, Michael Koreski, in which I look back through a century of cinema for traces of queerness, whether in plain sight or under the surface. Topics so far have ranged from Hollywood classics like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Tea and Sympathy, to experimental works by Gregory Markopoulos and Derek Jarman, to art cinema masterpieces by Chantal Ackerman, and by recent trailblazers like Dee Reese. Check back every other Wednesday for new entries. Present Tense is a new filmcomment.com column by me, Sheila O'Malley, where I write about the various intersections of film, literature, art, and culture. Check out Present Tense and other regular columns on filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Nicholas Rippold, the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. For a while now, we've been wanting to do an episode on the curious art form known as the TV movie. Of course, for many people, the TV movie couldn't be less of an art form. It became a byword for hokey or schlocky storytelling, even long after TV movies were being made in any great number. But why do so many of us remember certain TV movies for years afterward? What might they have in common with other forms historically regarded as less than serious, like the melodrama? And what makes a TV movie a TV movie as opposed to, you know, a movie? Also, does everyone know that Steven Spielberg, Robert Altman, and George Cukor all directed TV movies? Obviously, I had a lot of questions for this episode. So I asked two brilliant film comic contributors to join me. Soraya Nadia McDonald, culture critic for The Undefeated, and Shoni Enelo, assistant professor of English at Fordham University. Let's go to the conversation, which opens up some big questions about TV movies and much more. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. And uh, this is our special, perhaps totally arbitrary episode on TV movies. Uh, or, or as I was kind of thinking of it, what was the TV movie? Uh, or what is the TV movie? And for this episode, I'm very pleased to have two guests. and I'm pleased to be joined by... <laughs> My name is Soraya Nadia McDonald. I'm the culture critic for The Undefeated. And I'm Shawnee Enelo. I'm the author of Method Acting and Its Discontents. And uh, I guess, Soraya, this is your first time uh, on one of our podcast episodes. It is. It is. So very pleased to have you. And in our previous issue, you, <laughs> you made our, their debut in, in print with us, which is very pleased about with an essay mm. kind of jumping off on us um, and also a play, which name escapes me. Ain't oh. No Mo. Yes. Um, so you can read that in our May-June issue. And there will be more to read in our July-August issue from Soraya. And Shoni, what, you, what was the most recent thing you wrote for us? Um, I recently did a review of Peterloo. Peter, Peterloo, and oh yeah. Uh -huh. I have something, am I not allowed to talk about what's coming <laughs> out? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm like a sucker for surprises and like preserving oh, surprises. Although okay, at the fine. same time, I am I'm not like pro-spoiler alert. So I don't know what that means. Mm, I don't know. Okay. But uh yeah. Well, stay tuned, stay tuned. for a, a big splash <laughs> <That's right. laughs> by me. That's, right. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's what we want. Um, we, yeah, we got to build our own. You build our own hype. Yeah. Yes. Um, all about it. But uh, so yeah, I mean, TV movies. Where I, I mean, I was just thinking that this is 
it's sort of a cliche to say something as like, oh, that was so bad. It was like a TV movie, even though TV movies are not, I mean, A, always that bad anymore, or were they always that bad anymore? But B, they're just not like a big part of the landscape anymore. But so, I mean, where where do they fit in now? What what were they? Let's first like talk about what, what was a TV movie? <laughs> just as a lesson. So I feel like one of the things that kind of defines them um, particularly when they first began is like they felt like an event um, you know like in the days before DVR and TiVo and streaming um, when you could only see something when it aired unless you taped it on the VCR correctly yeah uh, you know yeah it was a way for everyone to sort of like gather around and all watch and be able to talk about the same thing like when i think of tv movies i feel like they're always to me i feel like they always involve a kidnapping <laughs> that that feels like one of the one of the common tropes <laughs> to me it's always it's eating disorders it's like that is like what's etched in <laughs> yes. my it's like all right. those 90s movies right. about eating disorders and it was, it was partially because i was at just the right age to like oh yeah you know mm -hmm. really connect yeah. those, <laughs> but... are, those are the two major problems for suburban families was was eating disorders <laughs> and then perhaps less 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 plausibly kidnappings for the two crises yeah. um but that's really interesting what, what you just said because i was thinking you know so like i guess one of the most famous tv movies i guess ever was the day after right the 1983 right. Yes. um and uh you know that does at least in all the descriptions or representations of it like on the americans right like that does yeah. seem to have been this major national event that everybody where everybody watched the same thing um it's really interesting to me because that that sort of way of thinking about you know the 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 TV movie as event actually makes it very much like a kind of theater, right? Because mm. the idea is, you know, everyone's doing it at the same time. So even if you're not in the same place, you're like bound by the same temporality. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that actually gets back. I mean, that connects to early television's whole idea of itself as replacing theater, not film, right? Early TV was right. all about, um, yeah. you know, replicating a theatrical experience of liveness. So yeah. it's so interesting to me the way that that, um, you know, feeling of liveness is yes. does characterize what we think of when we think of the TV movie. Right. Yeah. And if you really wanted to, like, take it even further, you know, because you'd have if you couldn't like go over to your friend's house and like watch with them, you just stay on the phone all night <laughs> yes. before yes. call waiting. Yes. And then yeah. your mom would just like click in and tell you to get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. something about it's that, and that's, that is really different from a cinema experience, right? Which yeah. is, you know, about, okay, the movie is playing over, you know, for, a certain number of times a day for a certain number of weeks um and you'll go when you go sure but but the you know the idea that everybody's doing it at the same time it's like a it's a theater thing yeah, yeah. and I, we were just talking a little bit before that it's kind of a shame that twitter was not around for tv movies because mm. that that would have been somehow That's the perfect medium for right. that yeah <laughs> which like now when i think of you know it, twitter is basically sort of replaced like sitting on the phone with your friend like while you're watching tv right mm -hmm. um like the ones that's right the tv movies that i sort of associate with that experience now are 
a lot of the Lifetime movies. Yes. Like the big ones that people actually, that, you know, they sort of promo the Dickens out of. Um, if These and, Walls Could Talk. Yeah. If These one. Walls Could Talk. <laughs> there was like, there was a Whitney biopic. Oh, yeah. Um, there was like a TLC biopic that like made everybody hate their like A&R manager like all over again. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. And then there are like just random ones that still stick out to me. I feel like the TV movie was my introduction to Matthew Modine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I like he just he has this just odd slightly creepy sort of presence. Yeah. Um that just really like drew me in. <laughs> like he is, he, he just feels like a fixture of like nineties TV for me Yes, in that yes. way. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually think if these walls could talk was not a lifetime movie, but it's telling to me that that's what I assumed mm. it was oh, yeah. because I think that the idea of the lifetime original movie is like, yes. so like that actually, I think of all TV movies as lifetime. Right. Original right. Movies. And, yeah. and the characteristics of, them right they were really often about women yes um they were often about you know social problems related to women roughly like ripped from the headlines ripped from the headlines right which is to say they were a kind of like melodrama right Mm. and they were Mm. you know because they were about an individual person like encountering you know these like moralized like forces of evil right a kidnapping or Mm -hmm. a child molester or like whatever you know was Mm -hmm. um the subject of like that particular iteration of it um and I, I just I, I think like, again, it's it's fascinating to me the way that 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 the genre of melodrama and in its most like sentimentalized forms is actually like the genre that these that that the television movie took up like that became mm-hmm. the place where that kind of melodrama sat for a while. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. honestly, I think part of the thing that's weird now because I was going back and looking at like the last few um, winners of the Emmy for like, Mm. I think TV movie or limited series, I think they actually like bundled them into one category. (laughs) Um, And they're, they're, they're basically good. You know, they're not, (laughs) (laughs) they're not sort of like the schlock fest that we associate with that, with that genre. Um, yeah, I mean, like behind the candelabra was, you know, that's that's a decent watch. Yeah, yeah. Seems it seems Sod- Soderbergh. If, yeah, I think, and and I mean, it was yeah, it was it was it was. I don't know. We liked it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but uh, I liked Bessie. Is the, right, and the point is that there there aren't like the Lifetime original movie doesn't. I mean, does it get made? Is it is that what those like straight to Netflix kind of things? Mm. Are I think so. Sometimes, right. Yeah, because there are, and then the other thing, well, the other thing that's taken over that category now is Netflix. Yeah. Right. Um, especially Black Mirror, which I feel right. like kind of makes more sense because at least it's an anthology series right. and like each episode is sort of a discrete thing that will creep you out and give you nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like but that game. sort of dealing with like ripped from the headlines social problems. That's sort of what yes. Black Mirror tries to do, right? I mean, yeah. a I little think bit. So. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's focused on like technology and the ways that it's all going to just sort of like warp us into amoral 
you know, terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even so, like the latest season that just dropped, Charlie Booker seems to be like very freaked out about us, like humans being able to to sort of extract our consciousness and and dump them into other things like a teddy bear or another person or you know a little robot <laughs> yeah there there there's like all of them seem to be like variations on that particular creepy thing that's that is maybe happening and we don't know it yet <laughs> yeah and and i mean and just i mean they, they also seem like they're kind of if you know if they're in kind of like a, a, a they're like in a tradition of like TV movie or self-contained TV feature like things, they're there with the the gloves totally off though. It's like it's like a TV movie but with like no no like oh, safety yeah. to hmm. it, you know. No and, FCC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Because you know, yeah. I think part of like a TV movie, like an old fashioned kind, is that you kind of know like it's going to be like about a scandal or it's going to be something like controversial yeah. but you it's still within a certain bounds of like kind of melodrama melodrama rules so you kind of know there are going to yes. be beats to it there are going to be things that are going to stick with you mm -hmm. but it's not going to get any worse than you kind of think it will be in mm -hmm. a way right mm -hmm. but but when mm -hmm. i watch black mirror i just i actually can't watch it i mean i watch it but i can't watch it because it, it just could it can get so bad and it's and the problem is he's like totally right basically with a lot of things <laughs> they all feel so plausible yeah that's the worst <laughs> wait that's really interesting right so it's it is about i mean and that that expectation that's built into the classic like lifetime original movie let's just call it you know yeah. is the expectation that that what that likes there's going to be some kind of a a resolution where the mother and child hug or or you know the the couple like resolves to keep going or like like is it i mean is it just that they had a resolution or is it mm. that there was something about um you know what kept them in bounds because of censorship or you know yeah. or, the, or fcc rules whatever if you, if yeah. you want to call those censorship um yeah or 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 they or they they sometimes they're also just telling like current events story of right. some sort um, you know, and then it's kind of a catharsis, you know, everyone's watching this and they can kind of have a catharsis by watch, watching it, you know. Um, so, you know, it's not, I mean, you know, the event was probably terrible and, and yeah. but it's, it's not going to get beyond that. It's still, I don't know, it's a way of like dealing with it somehow. It's almost like know. an after school special, but yeah. for adults. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. Like yeah. I was thinking about, oh gosh, one of the ones I remember, this is from 1998, was The Wedding. Uh -huh. which I think aired on ABC, but I could be, I could be wrong about the, about the network, but it starred Halle Berry and Lynn Whitfield, um, Carl Lumley and Eric Tall. And it mm. was, um, I also could be wrong about that. Like my memory could be failing me, but I feel like Oprah was somehow heavily involved in this and maybe uh -huh. like introduced it because it was like, it was going to be this important movie about race. Um, and it, I think I want to say it took place on Martha's Vineyard and Hallie like starred as this woman who was like torn between like marrying the white guy that she was in love with or like the black guy that would have been more appropriate for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> it was it was definitely very melodramatic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what happened in the end? Yeah. Who did she choose? <laughs> I right. think she, she ended up with the white guy, if I remember and correctly. And that was like a good thing? 
according to the film? I think it was, yeah. Like <laughs> she chose love. Right. She chose love. Like we should all like band together and, you know, kumbaya, we shall overcome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is like a very, I mean, it's, you know, like the, the genre of melodrama, right? Things have to resolve in a way that, um, you know, grants uh, 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 good things to good people and bad things to mm, bad people. Yeah. <laughs> like uh-huh. That's like, that's the basic um, yeah. plot of melodrama. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do think that that movie ended up almost providing something of a blueprint for later, like, theatrical films mm. that were focused on... Um, that were about black people and usually about weddings, but focused on class, right? Mm-hmm. Like this idea of sort of the the like wealthy black people who would summer on Martha's Vineyard, like if this was happening now, like with the Obamas, um, mm-hmm. and drawing like very clear distinctions between them and say, uh, gosh, th- I, I wish I could remember the name of this one movie because literally this guy is getting married to this like bougie black girl and his mother like works at the post office. And there's all this anxiety about like that part of the family embarrassing him. Um, But yeah, the wedding is like one of the first one of those that I, Mm. that I remember. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really interesting, right? Because they, I mean, these movies and what I remember when I was, when I was thinking back to all these like um, eating disorders movies or like all these, like there was actually, so there was, this is just a sidebar, but there was actually a a series that NBC um, released in the nineties called the moment of truth series. That was a series of made for TV movies. And they all had names like shattered dreams or like there was one (laughs) actually that was called, this one's amazing cradle of conspiracy. And the Wikipedia description is parents fight to save their pregnant teenage daughter from an underworld of baby brokers. Baby brokers. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Okay. But but like my 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 point is that 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 even though they seem really over the top, like these were actually places where real social problems were actually oh, being yes. talked mm. about mm. when they weren't mm. being talked about in other places, like in the nineties, you know, I at yeah. least that's sort of my sense. I mean, yes, film was dealing with them, but in in ways that, you know, w- w- like there was something kind of raw about the way that TV movies were dealing with issues of class and race mm, and yeah. gender. And- I mean, Lifetime was really, you know, as much as we make fun of them, they were one of the few networks that was sort of consistently producing these movies that looked at domestic violence and sexual assault, um, things, you know, very like ugly things that people were, that made people uncomfortable and they didn't really want to talk about them the way they do now. Um, But you could, you could always like find a woman who was like trying to find a way to, to get out of the, out of the claws of her horrible husband or boyfriend and having to change her identity. And Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that, and that seems like a like yeah, kind of an un, underappreciated function that that they that they serve yeah. somehow. I mean, because it's it's you can kind of count on two hands. I I don't know the number of like feature films that like had a high profile that would deal yeah. with, like sexual assault, for example, within a certain span mm-hmm. between like the eighties and nineties. You know, yeah. Um, this just came to mind because there's an HBO movie actually. I guess it is technically called Share. I don't know if you caught it. It was at um. Sundance um and it's 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 kind of 
brought up brought up to the present um, a, uh, a story. You know, a high schooler goes to a party, can't remember what happens, and then like there's a mm-hmm. video that you know no one's sure what exactly it shows, but it doesn't look good, and she just has a, she deals with it. And it, and it's just a movie that I, I don't know is is actually done in like kind of like a nuanced way, and and the acting is really good. But then I started thinking like, what are previous you know feature films and uh, in like earlier eras, and it, there's. I don't know. There didn't seem to be a lot. When, no, when I mean, I would say one of the few that I remember, and honestly, it makes sense. Like, I remember it, you know, when it came out, which was enough with Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yes. But also because it, for a while, it just seemed like anytime you turned on the TV, it was on cable somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it definitely, it followed those beats of like, there's this woman who's like desperate to get her kid away from her mm-hmm. abusive cop husband. And like, you know, there's a training montage, <laughs> 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 you know, before yeah. she ultimately like goes back and and exacts her revenge and, and you know, claims her victory in her kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's interesting just like, you know, stepping back and thinking about TV movies as they've, they're kind of, it's still used as kind of like a critical epithet, you know, mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. you're talking yes. about a movie now, you say, oh, it's like, it's bad as a TV. I think people still kind of do that, even though I'm like, that's kind of archaic now. It's kind of like, it is. you know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's something, there's, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, why and how it is that, you know, concerns that are usually like feminized right Mm. like Mm -hmm. get Mm. relegated to this lesser genre yes you know and so you know things that actually affect a lot of women (laughs) you Mm. know get get pushed to this genre that's then not considered as artistically or intellectually rigorous as as um feature film and so so there's that but then there's this question of like what you know how that happens, but also then what happens when that genre, I mean, as we were, as we started saying, it doesn't exactly disappear, but it really substantially transforms. Mm. So like mm-hmm. Black Mirror, I would never say is, well, I don't, I don't actually know the show that well, but it doesn't seem to be substantially about women's issues and concerns. I mean, it's a, it no. touches on yeah. women. There are women in the show, but, but, um, you know, so I, I, when you asked the question, Nick, of what happened oh, yeah. to the genre of the TV movie, I was thinking, well, like, where do those like women's issues sit mm. now? And I was actually thinking about like the Jezebel piece or like, you know, like, like long reads mm. online. Like there's something about like content um, that follows a certain genre. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not talking about written genres instead of mm. televisual, but like like where where uh, women are talking to each other about things that mm-hmm. primarily affect women and that are sort of these like considered these like lesser forms mm-hmm. of of art in some way. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I actually have a good answer for that. Like, where do you know, where is where does that set today? Yeah. I think some of the it's been serialized. I feel like Queen Sugar on OWN mm. has a lot of those beats, especially like the first season because it was dealing with like the the big storyline of the first season dealt with this woman who discovered that like her pro basketball playing husband had basically sort of orchestrated a rape and then tried to cover it up. But also Dietland, mm. um, 
which is all, like also very sort of steeped in ideas about um, fat phobia and mm-hmm. body shaming. Um, but again, like that's a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Big Little Lies would be. Oh, Big oh. Little. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. But it's so interesting, right? Because it's like a TV plot with film with huge (laughs) it's really interesting it's like the the kind of the the storyline and the concerns and even to some extent the writing is from a a, a earlier tv movie land and then yeah that's true yeah i just i'm like man just just give me the ability to be as withering and cutting (laughs) as meryl streep when she says you strike me as a wanter. <laughs> I just, oh my God. I would have just crumbled and turned to ash. <laughs> but you awesome. know, yeah. I'm curious, like it, it's great that we have you here because now like one of the things I'm interested in is how actors think about hmm. their roles within melodrama, you know, especially because people usually don't take them seriously. And so now it's like, oh yeah, I do kind of wonder like, how do you think about playing a part like that when you're, you know, it's not necessarily considered like serious or respected. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's a really good question. Like I, and I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head of any uh, like writing where actors have specifically talked about how it feels to to be in these TV movies. Although I, when I was watching some on YouTube to try to I, I kept trying to isolate the characteristics of the acting that make it feel mm. so much like TV movie acting, because I think that actually is a big part of what feels like a TV movie to us is this kind of bigger or more theatrical acting. Mm. And, you know, I had this whole line of thinking about how the, the acting feels bigger. And so it feels more theatrical, okay. you know, it feels like, it's not movie acting and actually weirdly feels like they're doing stage acting on screen, which doesn't quite feel like realism. It feels Mm -hmm. like this other genre. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that's like where my mind goes. And you know, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to isolate. And I think that like big little lies actually uh, seems to, you know, they sort of walk the line in an interesting way between a kind of like, bigger, more theatrical acting, which, you know, yeah. at certain points, I think Reese Witherspoon's really doing and a more like super precise, tiny cinematic acting that I think like Nicole Kidman seems yeah. to be doing throughout mm-hmm. the series. Especially um, her scenes with the therapist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like those are really sort of like textbook movie acting, you know, yeah. kind of kind of scenes. Yeah. I'm not sure I answered your question. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's interesting though, because so many big movie stars made made for tv movies in the 90s like right. brad pitt <laughs> you know, like, and he made this movie with julia lewis called too young to die do you guys remember this movie no was this Wait, when they were dating i uh, maybe oh i don't know or maybe this is how they Before started dating <laughs> <laughs> right. but i was just i was sort of fat like i would love to hear them talk or, or brad yeah. pitt talk about like starting out in tv movies and what mm. you know that yeah. what that means to him now and it's I wonder if part of the reason why especially the ones that have that are like award winning and more contemporary 
all seem to be coming from premium cable networks or streaming as opposed to like, it seems like one of the things that makes a TV movie feel like a TV movie is act breaks and having mm. commercials, yeah. you yeah. know, like they're yeah. structured, yeah. you know, right. there's a certain beat to right. the way that they unfold because you have to make space for two minutes of unrelated content. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. yes. Which again is that like theatrical thing, mm. right? As you put it, the act breaks. Right. The intermissions. Yeah, the yeah. intermissions. <laughs> Several yeah. intermissions. That's right. That's right. That that is really and, and it's almost like that I don't know, like that gives a certain freedom to like the T V movie that it cause it, it, it does have those breaths that it can mm-hmm. take. Um so yeah, because I'm I'm realizing now. Okay, maybe that's what I'm feeling when I watch them on YouTube because it's just straight through. Yeah, and, and it, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that brings us like to like, binging. I guess I'm binging a TV movie <laughs> if I watch it right. straight through. And and maybe TV shows are more made for that or or allow that more now than than TV movies used to. Because I mean, it it's not like they're always bad, but when I watch it straight through, it just. I, yeah, uh-huh. you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to watch. It's hard yeah, to watch. Like watching a 70s through. or 80s TV movie straight through, it doesn't quite. <laughs> the flaws yes. feel magnified yes. in a yeah. way. Yeah. 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 And what's funny is that I feel like we, I just did a TV, a panel like with a bunch of TV critics talking about the age of streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one of the things that like drives TV critics crazy is when. <laughs> Um, creators or like writer directors will say well it's not a show it's just it's a 10-hour movie (laughs) right Right. (laughs) (laughs) but all of these distinctions feel more blurred in a way because Mm -hmm. because of the way that like the way that people watch TV now has changed like so radically it's interesting though because you know that that feeling of an event Right. That you were mm-hmm. talking about earlier that that the the old school broadcast TV movie used mm-hmm. to have that that still happens. Right. Like people yes. are still mm-hmm. like when something mm-hmm. drops, you know, right. people oh, yeah. still rush and watch it. And there's a kind of simultaneity to it, even if it's not exactly mm-hmm. simultaneous. Right. People go to Twitter, you know, people, yeah. there's, you know, they're everything on social media was about the Game of Thrones finale right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Or so, when they see yeah. us like when. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, that yeah. was. I remember waking up the Friday morning like the, that it began streaming and like my whole timeline was just, <laughs> just yeah. all when they say, I mean, it, you know, like <laughs> I imagine Ava must have been very pleased because yeah. it was just like this onslaught <laughs> right. of like yes. she was everywhere. Like, I mean, between her and Netflix, they they are quite masterful when it comes to promoting things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like she know she she has a very keen understanding, I think, of the way people watch things and how they want to talk about them. Yeah. And I, I that was I, I was thinking about that with with that with that series because it's an event that could have been a TV movie, and I, I think there was yeah. one in the early two thousands. I haven't seen it, um, but for me, a lot of its impact was about the duration of it. Really, that it's like mm-hmm. four episodes. And the first two, I think it's fair to say, are a bit like like a traditional TV movie in the sense that they cover the beats of the events. Um, and it's actually, you feel them having doing a lot of work to make sure they cover everything, which is something you're kind of... A, a, and that's partly because the material kind of speaks for itself a bit. 
but then w the second half, I feel like she just explodes ev yes. everything, you know, because in the, in, the, in the next two episodes, it's basically it's everything you don't see in right. an Angel T movie. It's the aftermath. And it's also just the, li I don't know, lingering effects for, or just like the duration yeah. of it. It doesn't stop with the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing is just because the first two episodes, because they take place in like a police station and a courthouse, you know, just feel in a way like they have that sort of police procedural feel about them just because of the way they look, yeah. the lighting, like to in to some extent the wigs even. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> That's right. It was 1989. I like how at one point. They're like members of like the, the, the lawyers. They each insult each other about their, about their hair. <laughs> right. Think, you know, <laughs> which is kind of funny because ah. <laughs> no one's looking great. No. <laughs> Again, but it's, yeah. it's, it's right. So there's something like about those spaces that feels like paradigmatic of the of the TV movie. And 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 I feel like it's it's something I mean, there must be some interesting history about how it is that you know the inside of the police station or the courthouse became the genre mm. so such dominant genres mm -hmm. um they're again they're all not to sound like a broken record but they're also theatrical spaces yeah. right like it's like right. one enclosed set you can do a lot with yep. that one set so if you don't have a big budget <laughs> you yeah. can do a lot there you can um, gosh that's yeah. so true because i remember reading um, when American Sun was on Broadway, like a number of theater critics were like, this feels too much like TV because mm -hmm. the set looks exactly like, you know, that just sort of government building mm -hmm. police station. Like it's it in some way. I'm like, yeah, it does kind of feel like a TV set because it's really easy. Yeah. It's really easy to make that into, you know, to, to put that into the production design, especially yeah. if you've got, I forget which theater American Sun was in, but it definitely, like, they filled up the stage with, with that set. Mm. So interesting, like, how different spaces, we start to associate different spaces with different media, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how, you know, it's like yeah. the absolute dominance of law and order. <laughs> <Just Yes. means laughs> that, like, right. We can't see the inside of a police station right. without thinking of that. You, you like, do. Yeah. You just need to go, go. <laughs> Exactly. You hear it, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the door chime when you open the door. <laughs> yeah. Join us at Film at Lincoln Center on Thursday, June 27th at 6.30 p.m. for a very special film comment free talk, Queer and Now and Then. For this panel, writers Wesley Morris, Melissa Anderson, Mark Harris, and Fariha Zaman will join me, Michael Koreski, for a personal discussion about the state of LGBTQ cinema and how things have changed or haven't. And go to filmcomment.com to read my column, Queer Now and Then, for a bi-weekly deep dive into the history of queer cinema. Present Tense is a new filmcomment.com column by me, Sheila O'Malley, where I write about the various intersections of film, literature, art, and culture, covering everything from Frank O'Hara's movie poems to David Foster Wallace on Marlon Brando to the subtextual romance of Ripley and Hicks in James Cameron's Aliens. Check out Present Tense and other regular columns like Feeling Seen, April Wolf's Classified, and Imogen Sarah Smith's Phantom Light on filmcomment.com. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it, I mean, you mentioned like budget. I guess that's a big 
identifier in a way for like some of some of the the TV movies. Yes. Just the fact that you you're working with a TV studio's budget that's maybe doing like 30 of those in a year, at least like in the 70s mm-hmm. or 80s, right? Yeah. And you don't, you know, you don't you can't really yeah, go all out, you know, and if you have a set, you'll use a set. Yeah, yeah you have those like lowered expectations. Yeah. And that's one of the things you were talking about big little lies. And I also started thinking about the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Which, like, especially the cinematography of the first season just feels, it's gorgeous. But it's very much, it falls in line with, like, there's this story that is talking specifically about things that affect women and largely, like, two women. But it also has, like, a much, much nicer production design because (laughs) because they actually gave them the budget to, like, do this properly as opposed to... Here, put on a school play about right. <laughs> about women right. being forced to, <laughs> to, right. to be um, to be walking incubators. Right, right, right. or like baby the description brokers. I read of the cradle of the conspiracy. Baby brokers. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> the baby brokers. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's here. Here, I'll maybe I'll, I'll just do like a sidebar because in researching this a little. Film Comment did some these kind of surveys a bit in the 70s about, you know, who are directors who are coming through TV movie, mm, um, like t- TV movie school, basically. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, you know, the most famous probably being Steven Spielberg, um, you know, kind of famously directing Joan Crawford when he was like barely out of his teens um, in, in like an epi- episode of, of some like triptych or something. But, you know, also, but, you know, you could often find like... George Cooker was directing a TV movie or two. Um, and it's just an interesting time in the 70s where you, you would have directors kind of coming up and, um, you know, uh, Michael Ritchie is, is another. And then that continues a little bit, but it then it comes kind of full circle in the 90s. And now, of course, when you have regularly directors feeling more comfortable working in, in a series or, yeah. or, or, or a movie because they feel they have more freedom. They feel like they can kind of like right. take risks, which seems to be so ironic. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, right. But oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. My yeah. mouth just dropped open because I read that Charles Burnett directed the wedding. Oh, my God. Right. Wow. Wait, but that's fascinating. Is what that was it? this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> Well, that's really interesting. Well, I mean, but he's and he's I mean, he's a director who who a lot of his 90s output was TV movies. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And yeah, which, studios were not hiring him to do like. Yeah. No, he was he was too out there for them. Yeah. But but I mean, yeah, it's which is which is I'm which kind is of a shame only because of the at least when it was happening in the 90s, those weren't movies that people would catch up with. You know, like you, if, you, if it came and went, you, right. you wouldn't be able to. I don't even know how to watch some of them now, actually. Like, I don't know. I'm, maybe they're somewhere. But, I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's like an angel who's uploaded a lot of these things <laughs> to YouTube. Yeah. Because I've some seen of those, them, yeah. like, you can't, yeah. you know, for whatever, like, rights issues, like, you can't yeah. stream them. You can't even necessarily get them on DVD. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And, and they also don't have a life outside of like TV or small screens because I mean, from sort of personal experience, it's hard to get it right to show them in a theater. Mm. I think it has to do with the fact that they were free when they were broadcast. Mm. So there's like, it's unclear who you pay the licensing for or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up, but it's like, you won't see them. Like there are things you could show in repertory series that would be really interesting from, from TV movies or like a, like a Charles Burnett retrospective, but you just won't. Basically, yeah. I 
it's so it's it, too bad. It is yeah. too bad, but it's like, but it also, I mean, even this conversation is making me think that it's like this expectation that we have that everything would be available, right? right? And that yes. we could just pull anything <laughs> right. up. Exactly. Why can't we pull up Why this Charles Burnett TV movie? You yeah. know, that was just not the expectation yeah. before the internet age, right? Yeah, that was just so not, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. it was a different, like the the and and you have to you have to believe, I guess, that these directors who are working in this medium understood that and mm. were making something that was meant to be experienced in a moment mm-hmm. and then go away. Yeah, which is just really it's I'm I'm just I'm just really interested in that because obviously because I'm interested in like the relationship between theater and film, but that you know that that again that is it's the how the idea of liveness right the idea of like ephemerality the idea mm. that something's not going to last right. like influences how something's made and like what it's supposed to do like it's yeah. supposed to have a certain um immediate emotional impact so again back mm-hmm. to that like melodrama thing it has to it has to immediately affect people in the moment because they're not going to you know be able to return to it if they want to mm-hmm. so it's it's more about you know creating a kind of a, a feeling an experience um that that then people will take away rather than you know a perfectly composed or choreographed scene mm-hmm. that people could analyze yeah so it again it's it's like that you know the separation between a sort of like immediate like affective or emotional experience and like an analytical or like formally composed work of art, you know, it seems like that's sort of this, um, you know, the TV movie and the TV movie during the era when that was an epithet, you know, becomes, um, that becomes like a a real gulf in the, between the two media. This actually reminds me that one of these surveys I was looking at was written by Tom Allen and I, I guess he was already a big TV critic at the time, but you know, um, and he, he calls them pseudo movies. He just wants to make sure that TV movies are not movies. Yeah. At one point, he calls them pseudo movies. I mean, I think though, you know, this this theater scholar um, who's also a, sort of a film scholar who I really like, um, named Martin Harris. He's writing about theater, the way that theater responded as a medium to the dominance of film, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea is that theater artists are are responding in various ways to um, the you know the culturally dominant medium, and some of those ways are to incorporate elements of of film into theater. But some of those ways are to reject, like Mm -hmm. reject what feels like film, you know, in this case, um, reject the dominant medium and like try to negate it in their work, try to keep it out at all costs. So his argument is that that's what Samuel Beckett is doing is trying to keep out like mass spectatorship. But, you know, there's I think you could also I, I would be really interested to hear somebody talk about how a certain kind of film today is maybe doing that. Like what are the elements of what is clearly the culturally dominant medium of, you know, streaming TV, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how, how are some film artists seeking to, to reject or negate or push away mm. elements of that dominant medium today? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think that like what's it, I guess my point is that I don't think it's a question of either let everything in and it's all just a mishmash right. and everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like actually artists are, you know, are, are thinking about their primary medium um, in a variety of ways, you mm-hmm. know, in relation to other media. Yeah. I think yeah. Anna Devere Smith is actually yeah. like a person who's, yeah. who's gotten like very comfortable with like bringing theater to television mm-hmm. in a way that you would think wouldn't necessarily work, but mm-hmm. she, she seems very comfortable with like, adapting and moving between those two spaces and and drawing from both of them to in ways that 
that suit her. The, actually, like the in the um, in the in the fifties, the Actors Studio did a series of like teleplays on TV, um, mm-hmm. where yeah, there was there was I mean, in the early days of TV, there were all there was all this theater on TV. It was sort of supposed to be like again like yeah. theater, and um, and we sort of that sort of got lost. Although although yeah. there are certain people like Anna Deavere Smith and it's, it's like yeah. her, yeah. and then like great performances on PBS, right? Right. right. <laughs> well, and Horace and Pete. I mean, that's what Louis Gray was doing. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's Horace right. and Pete. That's oh, what uh-huh. on Amazon. That's true. Yeah. Create that's a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah. I mean, then there's the whole problem of national boundaries, which we haven't even got to. Yeah. Which is like then you could talk about like the all the British series like TV. You know, what's it called? Like Play for Today, which they had in the 70s, 80s. You know, Alan Clark, you know, making movies like Elephant or Made in Britain, mm-hmm. which are technically TV movies, um, but yeah, are just the, the idea that Elephant was a TV movie is, is just kind of, I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like watching it. it, it it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just incredible to think. Um, I mean, there's that. And then any, any other number of like countries, you know, a lot of, French films that are films are actually, you know, TV movies technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of Slavskis, yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, right, like, those are okay. for television. Those are for television too and technically like TV TV movies in oh. a way. Uh, but, I mean, I guess that's not what we maybe are thinking of when, when we're talking about them. But it's just interesting, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But maybe we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there are like these distinctions because I would imagine if there were either – you know, like Masterpiece Theater obviously did like tons of miniseries, mm-hmm. but also like one-offs. Mm-hmm. But those mm-hmm. don't, those are not what comes to mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. when you say TV movie. Right, right, right. right. PBS right. is just in its own it's little so... universe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even though in many ways those like um, one-off or sometimes they would be like a limited series right. are the forerunners of yeah. like prestige mm. TV Yes. You know, that's actually absolutely. They were doing that. Mm. You know, their adaptation of Dickens or whatever stuff on PBS <laughs> yeah. that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah. Like what? And like, honestly, I I'm kind of amazed that my parents <laughs> let me watch it. Um, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> oh dear God, <laughs> I I developed this enormous childhood crush on Robson Green <laughs> from Reckless. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um and now he's now he's on Grantchester with with the with and I shouldn't call him the original hot priest, but he kind of yes. is to me. Like before um before Happy Valley ruined him for me. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, he's uh, <laughs> James Norton. Yeah. Like before before the second season of um a flea bag, like James Norton was hot priest. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that mm. like mini series or limited series like like Reckless or I think Rebecca was also yes. broken up that way. Yes. Mm. Um Brideshead Revisited, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Howard's Excellent. End. I think. Yeah, Howard's yeah. End. All, I mean those That I mean that kind of we were talking earlier, like one way of kind of, you know, thinking thinking what comes comes next is like what 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 is serving the purpose of these. We talked about it a bit when we were thinking about what serves the purpose in terms of like the, the, the subject matter of it, 
I mean, I and I don't, I don't know. I was also just thinking that, like, if it's social issues sometimes uh, or current contemporary events that are being dramatized, maybe sometimes that happens a lot with documentaries now. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the, the kind of oh, potted yeah. ones, which yeah. are just like, mm -hmm. you know, this this is. I'm trying to think. I don't know something like Philippe Petit, like crossing, you know, crossing the Twin Towers or something. You yeah. know, just that little event could have been a TV movie. I guess maybe it was. It probably was. I, I, this thing you can think of anything, and that someone <laughs> probably made a TV movie about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I remember as a kid, like being traumatized by this random movie about a cruise ship hijacking. Do, do you remember Whoa. The, the, the hijacking of the Achille, Achille Lauro, just this cruise ship. And I, I it was a, um, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but it was related to like Israel and Palestine conflict and terrorists. <laughs> oh, I uh, think there was an opera about that. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> yeah that is right yeah oh, god I, mm. wow and then there were like protests of the opera oh, yes yeah. okay this is all yes. now this is sounding familiar this, this is so to some material yeah. just like it just like leaps from genre to form yes. to form it's just like yes. it cannot be contained <laughs> yes this is really okay yes <laughs> well, I have to say, okay, this is sorry, uh, sorry again to be like the theater scholar, <laughs> you know, oh, uh, waxing poetic, but you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin was the original like genre jumper in the American context because mm -hmm. it was, a, a, you know, obviously a novel that then became much more famous as, as a play, as a, as a traveling theater production. Oh. Um, and that then spawned all these spinoffs in all these ways. It became all sorts of other events <laughs> of yeah. kinds like all around uncle tom's cabin mm. which is you know it's which raises another interesting point which we haven't talked about which is like the politics of this genre of right. like the tv movie like are there could we say that there could we say there are politics <laughs> yeah. like in that that are yeah. that that the that the genre uh, you know, like just puts forward formally, um, you know, what, like I, I, I was trying to figure this out as I was, as I was looking at these like moment of truth, like, you know, NBC made for TV movies, because some of them, I was like, wow, I could see how this was on the one hand progressive because it was dealing with social issues that were, you know, important to like women and, and mar other marginalized people. Like on the other hand, some of these descriptions, I was like, whoa, I can see how that could be really conservative in yeah. like a lot of ways or like really reactionary mm -hmm. against like social progress like the you know like the one i read i think it was actually about you know how awful it is for teenagers to have sex you know like so there right. was like mm. there's like a lot of like reactionary politics in there too i don't know no that, i mean yeah. and that, that's almost built into the fact that it's on tv meaning you are never really going to have sex <laughs> for example right. depicted or portrayed in any like direct or experiential way on the on the, t on the television so there was that was always the forbidden like literally obscene you know like yeah. thing and other, other things that you know that or part of human experience that cannot be on TV. So TV just too, for a while, I guess, was always a bit of pretty conservative. It still is, but yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's and I guess a lot of TV movies kind of have that kind of two faces to it. That it's 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 dealing with material that can be controversial or like tough, and so it's it's kind of good in that way. But it's not always in the most like progressive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. But then I mean, right right in the beginning, just because this is the day after was the movie that I kind of wanted to, 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 to talk oh, about. Okay. That's like a, a prime example of, of an event thing for one thing, but also just something that's, it's, it's so deeply shocking um, in spite of it's, it's like very like patriarchal terror. It seeks to instill basically, you know, but, but 
it is doing something, you know, it's, 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 it almost like, it, yeah, it, the material cannot be contained in, in, in the film because it's trying to scare you about nuclear war, basically. Um, but it's also, it's ridiculous even to try to deal with it. it I don't know. I, I, that movie just makes my head explode. Um, well, I think we're probably winding, winding down. I mean, it seems like we've covered everything <laughs> basically. Um, any, any last final thoughts or anything? You know what? I think in terms of, I'm thinking of Netflix specifically, especially mm -hmm. the dust up between like Spielberg not wanting films like Okja or what was the other Netflix film that was that had its most recent like Oscar campaign? Oh, uh, you said Roma, right? I was, Roma, yeah. Roma. yeah. Um, I think there's it would only serve Netflix well to maybe more clearly delineate like which of its movies or TV movies mm. are, are meant, you know, that they sort of expect to be consumed that way versus like mm. here is the, you know, here is the more sort of like formal, serious, big budget um, stuff that they're, they're also going after. Mm. Um, I think that would actually end up serving them well just in terms of managing expectations so that you're not judging let's say uh something like Deidre and Lainey Robitrain um with like the same set of eyes and judgment that you also might reserve for something like Roma mm -hmm. mm. Mm -hmm. um like yeah. you can just be like you can have both of these things and one is just sort of like light and fluffy and ephemeral um you know but you can also have this thing that is really beautiful um and that is like accessible for like many many people in a way that it wouldn't be if it was just like strictly relegated to the art house yeah mm. it, it's really interesting right because it's almost like the like each medium is you know as the media blur what remains is genre right yeah. like what mm. what remains is a set of like formal characteristics that we can look at Roma and say that's cinema right and we can look at another movie and say yeah. that's that's tv mm. yeah. even if they're actually the the on the know, same platform the, exactly yeah. the communication medium is the same yeah mm. that's that's it is yeah that's really I mean bring up Spielberg's complaint is interesting just again because he did start <laughs> in television like you know and then right right so that he kind has of, a made for tv movie yeah <laughs> he directed yeah exactly so that is kind of ironic i guess oh. um but yeah it's i don't know should we be reviewing movies like their concerts or shows where we say like this is being reviewed as if it was in this space you know like you'd mm -hmm. say like the difference between reviewing a show or mm -hmm. that's in like a in like a stadium versus like a small club or something mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. There have to be conditions to how we do our reviews, or like this is how I saw it. I don't know. I guess I could, well, I guess yeah. Variety basically does that in their reviews. They say like yeah. this was reviewed in like the Paramount screening room or at this festival or something. Yeah, I mean, I do think there's, I yeah, I think it's worth maybe just adding a line for context, mm. um, because I feel like I so I saw Mudbound at TIFF on like an absolutely oh. enormous screen. Yeah. And I think like that had a big impact on like the way I received it, like because it just it was sort of like this beautiful 
massive story. Mm. And I'm glad that like it's available to so many people because it's on, you know, because they can just like stream it. But at the same time, like I was one of those people who was like, go see this on the biggest street and you can possibly see it. Right. Like, you know, like um, there is something to be said for like the scale of of the visuals when you see something in a theater yeah. with a bunch of other people all together and then you can just sort of like walk out shell-shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think like the 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 mutability of media means that actually these like practices of spectatorship become really important. Yes. You know, because mm. it's not actually the medium that's different. It's the like the historical situation mm. of you experiencing the work. Mm. Who you're with. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, I'm going to take this in for a landing now, although that makes me think of some TV movie, disaster movie. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's finish it there. Uh, but thank you both for a wonderful discussion. Thank, thank you. you thank you. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Angie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.